We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Fucking thing sucks. Okay, it's a live show for this week. All right, so we got Mike, he, him. We got Nick, he, him. Bryant, he, him. Nat, he, him. Steve, he, him. And Ward, he, him. All from various shows. How's everybody doing? What's going on? Yo. Are you good? Good. What's up? So tonight, we got a couple things. Uh, I'm going to hand it to Brian first. And you have a book review of like a Posada sci-fi book that you read? Yeah, that's what I call it. I don't think the author intended it that way. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's my takeaway. Um, so this is just a book I read recently and I thought was neat. So I'll, I'll give a little uh, rundown. And oh, fuck. Hold on a second. What's it called, first of all? Because I can't, I can't actually remember the title. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's called A Half-Built Garden. Okay. By uh, Ruthanna Emery's, and it just came out earlier this year. And yeah, if y'all don't know me, I'm I'm a big sci-fi nerd as well as being a, a car nerd and communism nerd and all that. Um, so I'll just read the the sort of blurb here. Um, on a warm March night in 2083, Judy Walsh Stevens wakes to a warning of unknown pollutants in the Chesapeake Bay. She heads out to check what she expects to be a false alarm and stumbles upon the first alien visitors to Earth. These aliens have crossed the galaxy to save humanity, convinced that the people of Earth must leave their ecologically ravaged planet behind and join them among the stars. And if humanity doesn't agree, they may need to be saved by force. So, basically, it takes place in the future where humans have been trying to save the Earth from climate change, and the aliens come down and say, oh, you guys aren't doing good enough. You, we, we can really help you out. Uh, but really, you just need to abandon Earth and live in space habitats with us. And, uh, and all the humans are like, no, no, we like it here. We're, we're doing good stuff. Um, we, we kicked all the corporations out to their own little private islands, and we took over, and we're running things. And, uh, and the aliens are like, no, no. No, we've seen this before. We've seen civilizations rise and fall. You guys are at that stage where anything could go wrong. So I enjoyed it. Um, that's that's kind of I don't want to spoil anymore, um, but uh, it's like I would call it. I mean, as a straight uh, man, I would call it a <laughs> I, I don't know if my perspective is the greatest, but I would call it like a, a queer feminist sort of uh, novel. But yeah, I don't know if we want to yeah, talk about it some cool. more. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I like the idea of it. Um, it's weird that they say that they've kicked out all the corporations and sequestered them off to an island because that's a great idea. It sounds like at least a temporary <laughs> solution. But the fact that the aliens would tell them that that still isn't enough to solve the issue. It's like it makes me wonder if it's a neoliberal framing. and They're saying that they should have kept the corporations around to fix the problem. Like if this is like a hopeful Elon Musk type novel or something like yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting, like, the aliens, uh, like, eventually do meet up with the corporate people, and they're just kind of confused by them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the corporate... Oh, is he breaking up for everyone, or just me? He's breaking yeah, he up for me. Ah, shit. Well, what's up? Cosper, what's up? What the fuck happened? I don't know. You were breaking up a bit. Uh, yeah, I don't know. My video fucked up, but y'all can hear me now? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So sorry, has anyone has anyone actually looked into Posadism? In oh, any hell way? yeah. Can you tell us like a little bit about it? Because I only know about memes. If you want to just give like us and listeners like a little bit of a description about it. Yeah, I was on another podcast about it uh, a long time ago. Uh, Posadism is an offshoot of Trotskyism. Um, so there you go. That's all you need to know. <laughs> no, actually, he was given Got his it. like intro intro into the left by like an Italian anarchist uh, in I think like Argentina somewhere in South America right um, who was like a shoemaker that like brought like took him under his wing and uh, he basically then took these like leftist ideas uh, to one of the internationals and um, what was I think it was the fourth one where they they kind of broke into the two like warring factions the latest one and he he had like a big falling out with the Greek communists uh, and he then like tried to develop this like sort of a, like a, a a teamwork framework is the best way I can put it uh, with Che Guevara because Che wanted to nuke the U.S. and he <laughs> thought that was a great idea. Holy shit! <laughs> but like in his main writings, basically the whole idea is that uh, 
capitalism is, because it's the hoarding of resources, it is the main cap on scientific progress, right? It's the reason we can't make scientific progress advance fast enough for us to get to the stars or to survive in space. Thus, if any aliens were to come down and visit us, they must have overcome capitalism, logically, for them to be able to marshal all their resources in a way that advanced their society to the point where they could have that sort of um, space travel. Thus, if they show up, we should ally ourselves with them. That actually kind of makes and, sense. I mean, that's, that's pretty much the main tenet of, of Posadism. I mean, there's, he wrote so much in the freaky sex cult that he also started. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's, that's like the number point. one takeaway that you really need to know. I guess yeah. like the freaky sex cult stuff aside, I mean, just think about how quickly the USSR went from being feudal to the stars, right? Yeah. Like, so just yeah, to exactly. that point. <laughs> Which is funny, because they did that under uh, Trotsky's main nemesis. Right. <laughs> oh, Cosper's yeah, mic and is working I know there's on. a... Um... Shit, sorry. What? I just want to say hi to Cosper, because their mic is working now. What's up, Cosper? Oh. Yeah, what the fuck is up? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> welcome yeah but uh continue brian sorry i was gonna say there's a good book that i haven't read i've heard it's good uh called i want to believe by uh am gitlitz uh, yeah who's on the antifada podcast um about posadism um and he you know today it's kind of just a meme like it was an actual movement that turned into a weird sex cult but uh yeah like today it, there's a lot of just memes of like wanting the world to end in nuclear hellfire and then the aliens to come and save us with the aid of psychic dolphins. Um, mm -hmm. cause that was another thing that he believed in. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of the connection, I guess, to the novel is, you know, just, uh, aliens coming to save us from our own mistakes. So was it generally like optimistic, pessimistic? I mean, without spoiling anything, like, because I think there is a need, and I ask that because I think there is a need for, like, to Nat's point, like, some optimism about stuff. I don't know that I would necessarily agree with this outcome as being, like, potentially realistic or anything. But just from, like, the general sense of, like, needing, like, good, optimistic, like, socialist, communist-oriented literature to kind of combat, like, the capitalist propaganda that's thrown at us in every different form, right? So I just wish there was more of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I'd say it is an optimistic uh, novel. Um, if you want another one like that, uh, Walk Away by Cory Doctorow is another good sort of, I don't know, I would call it a um, anarcho-communist sort of uh, sci-fi novel. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, there's a few of them out there uh, oh, that yeah. are more hopeful. I haven't read fiction in so long. I gotta like read some more fiction. I feel like that would be a good way to <laughs> escape from politics once in a while. <laughs> I have to force myself if it's not comic books. <laughs> Everyone says read Settlers, and I started reading that, and it's super weird right now. Uh, I don't know if it's a good book or not, but it's interesting at least. Yeah, I mean, that's another one I've always put on my reading list, and then then I hear like people suggest that it may be some kind of psyop. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm the target audience for it, but like... Isn't that the know. book that Ghazi always quotes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why yeah. I say I'm not so I sure about that, it. It speaks for itself. If Ghazi's quoting a book, you probably don't need to check it out. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I mean, mean it is like a good... We don't want to read something, then. <laughs> hey, what'd you say? If you're telling us that we're, we don't have to read something, then I'm going to trust you. Like, you read everything. Yeah, please do. Settlers is just not... <laughs> I mean, obviously, I think Ghazi does some bullshit with it, but uh, for those who are familiar with Ghazi, he's... I, I forget if he's in prison now but yeah i don't know how much y'all are into black hammer i'll just i'll let that slide um yeah settlers <laughs> sorry brian what were you gonna say i was just gonna say so far it's just a like a really depressing history of native american genocide um which i don't know maybe there's better sources to read on that uh like 1491 um that's an interesting one or um i don't know Pretty much any Gerald Horn. Yeah. 
Yeah, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Settlers is the one that uh, makes is like the basis for the argument that like in imperial core countries, there's no such thing as proletariat. Yeah, yeah. He started saying that and I'm like, uh, I don't know about that. But I, I mean, I guess there is an argument, but I don't know. Yeah, I could kind of see where you could come from with that, because even if you are a working class person, you're still benefiting from global South labor in some way. But like, there's definitely some fucking exploited people here. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I haven't read it, uh, but it seems like what uh, you could classify workers in the imperial core is just labor aristocracy. If we're going by like a pure Marxist like relation to production, yeah, get vulgar with it. You know, uh, but on an international scale, compared to other workers, we would be the aristocrats. Yeah, like there's that um that infographic. It's like a map of the world where it's like you know if we redistributed all the wealth in the entire world, like how much everyone's living standard would rise. And even in the U.S., like the average person would be making more money if we just want to reduce it down to that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think some European countries would be losing out, but like, that's fine. On average, yeah, everyone would be doing better. So there's, I mean, that tells me that there's exploited people here. An- another good one for um, a history of like uh, indigenous peoples is a, an indigenous people's history of the United States by Roxanne Dunbar Ortiz. Okay, yeah, maybe I'll check that out. Mm-hmm. Did you guys want to move on to uh, the next thing? Sure. Cool. Um, so I guess the next thing is I wanted to talk about this Newsweek article that I just found out about. I guess it has been around for a while, but it was news to me. And it was about this secret undercover army of like 60,000 people that apparently the Pentagon is running. And I mean, just to give you like the, the, the points from it briefly, it's just tons of undercover operatives. It dwarfs the size of like the CIA and even like their clandestine programs that we know about or whatever. And they admit that it's in, involved in like North Korea, Iran, like every country that the U.S. is hostile towards uh, inside the U.S., uh, countries that the U.S. is friendly towards. It's it's not an exaggeration to say that they have people everywhere, but they don't actually say like what their goals are, like what they're trying to do. The program is called Signature Reduction. And reading through this article, which is very long. And still very vague, despite how long it is. They have interviews with people. They talk about vaguely what they are trying to do. And it seems like their entire goal is just to mask their influence. They want to influence things. And they want to make sure that no one knows that they're influencing things. They go to great lengths to have secret identities that all have very long traces. So that you think that they are real people. Including like social media accounts with friends that also have like trails that look like real identities that aren't real people. And it goes very deep. It's like really weird. But again, you're just left as the reader to guess what it is that they're trying to actually do and accomplish with all this. And for us, I feel like we kind of have some ideas as to what the U.S. is up to and what the U.S.'s goals are with all of this. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny to me. I'm just trying to imagine saying this to a liberal. And it's like, what is the what is the defense of any of this? Like, what is even the ostensible, reasonable defense for any of this? Because it used to be decades ago, it was like, oh, the U.S. is the bastion of freedom and democracy in the world. And now people don't even seem to believe that. And now the only defense is like, oh, well, every other country is doing it, too. So therefore, it's OK. It's like I heard somebody throw out the uh, national security deal on like something adjacent to this a couple of weeks ago. So there's they're still out there saying that kind of shit. And I just kind of like laughed. But yeah. I mean, I think people are getting more disabused of the notion. But I don't know. It's it's still out there, amazingly. Yeah, um, but I, I don't have. I mean, a ton what's wild to I mean, me about this, like, sorry, but you, like you mentioned it, is like I'm looking at it now. It came out in what 2021, and it wasn't everywhere. Yeah, this is the first I'm hearing of it. I mean, like a week ago. <laughs> right. It wasn't blasted out all over. Like there was no outrage on either side about it. You know, like I don't know. Yeah, and I mean. I don't know what the the implication is other than just to be even more paranoid. It's like all the times when we're hanging out in Discord or in the group chats or whatever, and we make some kind of jokes about the FBI agents being in the Fed, in the chat with us or who's a Fed and who's not a Fed, thinking that we're joking about being paranoid. It's like, you really can't be paranoid enough. This really is insane. And anybody who thinks that the U.S. is not the most authoritarian dictatorship in the world, I don't know what to, like. Yeah, if this isn't a surveillance state, I mean, if this doesn't describe the apparatus of a surveillance state, like, right? It absolutely is. There's like, more facial recognition cameras in the U.S. than yeah. in China. Like, yeah, absolutely. 
Please shut the fuck up about the Great Firewall. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I would kill to have something like that just for my personal internet usage. Just to keep U.S. propaganda away from me. Yeah, I mean, that's basically <laughs> what a pie hole is, right? An effort, but like ads. I mean, yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, you, what might is capitalist... to, you might be able to like tune out like propaganda too. Like, you well, yeah, but I mean, like, what is block New York Times and shit like that? Oh, that sucks because I actually have like a, a bunch of GitHub things that let me go extra deep into the New York Times for free because I have ah, to and I nice. hate it. <laughs> Sounds like now's a bad time to tell y'all that like uh, this is kind of my squad that I've been rolling with since 2012. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Just been reducing signatures everywhere, huh? Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's pretty tight. It's like, what, 15 cents a leak? So, <laughs> I don't know. You should look into it if you got some downtime. It's kind, of, it's kind of like truck driving, but you're just like going to communities instead. Yeah. Got a good commission program, sounds like, though. That's pretty sweet. Uh, yeah, no, it's, side pretty, hustle. it's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's it, was, like the it was like this or DoorDash, exactly. <laughs> I just chose infiltrate communities for whatever it's worth. It's interesting. I, I, I take it like an anthropology class, kind of, but I get paid for it. Are you getting your steps in? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I get my clicks in. I'll say that. Let me read a, let me read a little section of this here. So this is uh, a little section called The Secret Life of Jonathan Darby from this article. And they say, every morning at 10 a.m., Jonathan Darby embarks on his weekly rounds of mail call. That doesn't make sense. Every morning at 10 a.m., Jonathan Darby embarks on his weekly rounds. You do your weekly rounds every day, bud? That doesn't make sense. Tear Darby. him apart. Come on, Newsweek. Do better. Get him. Get him, Mike. <laughs> New asshole. Darby is not his real name, <laughs> but, it is, but it is also not the fake name on his Missouri driver's license that he uses to conduct his work. And the government car he drives, one of a fleet of over 200,000 federal vehicles owned by the General Services Administration is also not registered in his real or his fake name, and nor are his magnetically attached Maryland state license plates really for his car, nor are they traceable back to him or his organization. Where Darby works and the locations he visits are also classified. So what Darby... happens when a pig pulls this motherfucker over? Well, that's the thing. They, like, all his stuff is verifiable. Like, that's what was really mind-blowing. And they will get to it in, like, I think the next paragraph, but they say that, like, all of this requires, um, hold on. I'll just skip to it. To register and double-check the authenticity of his daily take, Darby logs into two databases. One, the Travel and Identity document, document Database, the Intelligence Community's repository of examples of 300,000 genuine, counterfeit, and altered foreign passports and visas. And the other, the Covert Acquisition Management System, a super-secret register of false identities where the, quote, mechanisms used by clandestine operators are logged. For false identities traveling overseas, Darby and his colleagues also have to alter the, alter databases of U.S. immigration and customs to ensure that those performing illicit activities can return to the United States unmolested. For identity verification, Darby's unit works with secret offices at Homeland Security and State Department, as well as all, almost all 50 states, in enrolling authentic quote mechanisms under false names. A rare picture into this world came in April 2013 when an enterprising reporter at Northwest Public Broadcasting did a story suggesting the scale of the secret program. His report revealed that the state of Washington alone had provided hundreds of valid state driver licenses in fictitious names to the federal government. The existence of the Confidential Driver License Program, as it was called, was unknown even to the governor. Before the internet, Darby says, before a local cop or border guard was connected to central databases in real time, all an operative needed to be undercover was an ID with a genuine photo. These days, however, especially for those operating deep under deep cover, the so-called, quote, legend behind an identity has to match more than just a made-up name. Darby calls it due diligence, the creation of this trail of fake existence. Fake birthplaces and home addresses have to be carefully researched. Fake email lives and social media accounts have to be created. And those existences need to have corresponding, quote, friends. Almost every individual unit that operates clandestinely, special operations, intelligence collections, or cyber, has a signature reduction section, mostly operated by small contractors, conducting due diligence. There, they adhere to what Darby calls the six principles of a signature reduction. Credibility, compatibility, Realism, supportability, verity, and compliance. So this shit goes, and it's funny that you asked that question, Nick, because they answer exactly that. Like, what if he gets yeah. pulled over by some local cop? Like, yeah, he's covered. Good lord. Yeah. So yeah, my my first thought is like, for sure, these people are using this to like run drugs or something, right? I mean, the like, CIA probably is. on top of so many other things. Right. Yeah. I mean, never mind like the the nefarious spying stuff. Just like. Just doing CIA shit, I'm sure. 
Yeah, human trafficking. I mean, anything you can think of, I'm sure. This just facilitates it. Right. Yeah, especially now with countries that, like, don't have, like, very good data privacy laws. Like, as soon as you land, they'll take your shit and fucking pull all the data off of it. And so all that traceable back history that looks credible, like, it's important for that. Yeah, I mean, that was really the most interesting part of it for me was how deep they can go with this and how much they can just fake all these identities. It's like, if you thought that, like, the capabilities were limited in any way, they do have a picture of a shoe tracking device down here. I don't know if you saw that. It's pretty funny. If you scroll down a little further, um, yeah, it literally just looks like the old thing from, oh, my God, you guys are all too young for this, but there was an old show called Get Smart. Oh, yeah. Like a shoe phone. I know that one. It looks yeah. just like it. Ridiculous. I mean, it's just a testament to how much they want to keep all the actions underneath like below the the view of the public generally right like whether it be proxy wars whatever they do but like they've just leveraged intelligence to intelligence and technology to like the maximum extent to make sure shit stays under the radar as much as possible you Mm -hmm. know and that's how they that's how they continue to well it's part of how they continue to manufacture consent for all the bullshit because people just don't know about it and when it comes out in a friggin' big report we still don't (laughs) we still don't hear about it because nobody fucking reads yeah i find it funny here how they kind of end this article um the last section is they say signature reduction is a term of art and uh the first part of it's kind of boring but they say befitting how secret this world is there is no unclassified definition of signature reduction the Defense Intelligence Agency, which operates, which operates the Defense Clandestine Service and the Defense Cover Office. I've never heard of either of those. Have you ever heard of the Defense Clandestine uh, Service or the Defense Cover Office? Like, how mask off is that shit? Jesus. <laughs> but you know what? I picture, like, the guys working this and, like, you know, running all these different databases and things like that. Is like the Mr. Incredible meme, like, typing on the yeah. computer, <laughs> just, like, all burned out. Like, those are the kind of guys actually managing all the data in the background, just totally fried. Well, that's the. Um, has anybody here read uh, um, JFK and the Unspeakable? Mm-mm. Really fucking fantastic book on the JFK assassination. Um, but there's a section, and I'm not going to go into the details. But he breaks down all the different like daily tasks of the people in various intelligence communities, and like um, we're talking like in the '60s, so it's literally like like data input people, like secretaries and stuff like that, and people who would sign signatures on documents and just hand them off to somebody else at a different office, and how atomized that is, so that nobody in the chain understands the big picture, right, and can form like a moral coherence of what it is they're actually involved in, like the mundanity of evil, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a philosopher named Rod Rickman. I don't know if y'all are familiar with him, but he basically says one of the complications of postmodern or I guess the informational era that we have is that there are too many options and too many configurations at which we attain to like diametrically oppose while also in taking the exact same thing that we say we're against in such a way. Uh, what he's saying basically is that like you have a, a swath of different information systems that give you various different truths, and in such a way, there's too many truths to believe in. Not the old case of there just being one. Mm. Yeah, I mean, now you can kind of pick your own narrative of reality. You can cultivate one, depending on your social media bubble, if you like. Oh no, what have we done? Are we only Marxists because we found like some pages that we liked? <laughs> well, it's like that tweet that was going around saying like there's no more time travel movies. It's all just multiverse shit because there's no agreed upon past or future. Oh shit. That never even occurred to me. I never would have mm-hmm. thought of that. Wish I could take credit for it. Um, oh, let me finish up this. Uh, I was reading the, the last paragraph of this. I forgot. So they say that uh, they say signature reduction is a term of art. One that, quote, individuals might use to describe operational security or OPSEC measures for a, ver- for a variety of activities and operations. And so they don't have an official definition of this. They just kind of give you an idea vaguely of what it would be. And in response to Newsweek queries that point out that dozens of people have used the term to refer to this world, DIA suggests that perhaps the Pentagon can help. But the responsible person there, identified as a DOD spokesperson, said only that, quote, as it relates to human operations, human intelligence, signature reduction is not an official term. And that is used to describe, quote, measures taken to protect operations. So it's literally just to cover their asses and hide themselves. And um, the next paragraph is kind of boring, but they do end it kind of funny. This kind of reminds me, Ward, you'll remember of like Acoustic Kitty or any of those other debacles 
the last section was called Get Smart, and I think they mentioned skilled spying. Your audio is shit. What the hell? <laughs> what happened? Like, was it bad for anybody else? <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Cool. It wasn't just for me. Yeah, your audio was shit. All of a sudden, like that. Yeah, it's just like as soon as you said like the get smart thing, which by the way, that's not at the end of the article. There's like a shit ton more. But um I will fuck off. <laughs> but yeah, your audio just sounded like shit. And is it still or not? No, nah, it's good now. Go ahead, start over. Fuck. I guess I'm editing now. God damn it. I was gonna All say right. we're gonna have to edit this one. <laughs> just leave it in. Fuck it. <laughs> in May twenty thirteen, an almost comical incident, more reminiscent of get smart than skilled spying, Moscow ordered a US embassy, quote, third secretary by the name of Ryan Fogel to leave the country. Releasing photos of Fogel wearing an ill-fitting blonde wig and carrying an odd collection of seemingly amateurish paraphernalia. Four pairs of sunglasses, a street map, a compass, a flashlight, a Swiss army knife, and a cell phone. So old, one article said, it looked like it had been on this earth for at least a decade. <laughs> it's like a shit version of the Americans. Yeah, I mean, the show's good, but it's like, a sh- it's like shit versions of that. Um, the international news media had a field day. Many retired CIA people decrying the, de- the decline of the tradecraft. Most of the commentary opining how we'd moved on from the old world of wigs and fake rocks, a reference to Great Britain admitting just a year earlier that it indeed was the owner of a fake rock and its hidden communications device, another discovery of Russian intelligence in Moscow. I hadn't even heard about the fake rock. Did that make news too and I just didn't hear about it? I think the more intriguing thing to me is that they're like fascinated by the fact that something can last more than a decade. (laughs) Like that shit's so fucking crazy. Oh yeah, you were right. That wasn't the other article at all. Damn it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like check out this fucking sick ass Chinese intelligence phone that was given to a uh, American military intelligence officer. Where the fuck did it just go? Yeah, it oh was uh, it was a Samsung phone so sophisticated that when the FBI cloned it, they still couldn't find the hidden partition that was on the phone. Mallory had to show it to him. Hell yeah, pretty sick. They got this guy down here at the bottom. He, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. He looks like Freddy Krueger, but dressed up as like a off-duty cop. It's literally just like a mask that he's wearing. It's like a latex latex mask that makes him look like a horrible burn victim. And then he's got just a baseball cap with sunglasses on it. He's got a polo shirt. And he just looks like a fed that had a really terrible accident because he fucked up at the, I don't know, molesting children secret fraternity or some shit. Like, that's so fucking uh, funny. There's a famous Kickstarter... Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, I guess that's just supposed to be to keep him off of facial recognition cameras, but whatever. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say that just reminds me. There's a famous Kickstarter of some guy who was like an uh, he was like a security guard in his like day job, but he uh, designed like a a weapon gauntlet glove with like finger knives and shit, and like he put it on Kickstarter and it looked like a child's drawing, and he wanted to get this made so that he could like it's like a self defense device. Oh, no. <laughs> that's just what that reminded me of. That Shinzo Abe joint. Yeah. Oh, you know what I will share? This was the top comment on that article on Newsweek website. So this guy says, Jim Bob says, the author, (laughs) William Arkin, is a former military intelligence analyst who had a top secret clearance under the Carter administration and the first part of the Reagan administration. Arkin was fired from his position and was stripped of his security clearance after providing a list of all the American nuclear weapons located to an intelligence officer from the Soviet Union. <laughs> Yo, fucking air horn time. That's basic nice. as fuck, mm-hmm. That's wah, tight. Wah. <laughs> I would encourage every U.S. intelligence officer to... <laughs> <laughs> Second. Wait, I gotta edit more. I can't, I can't leave that shit in. <laughs> I mean, I trust this guy. Jim Bob is a trustworthy source on the conversation. No, I mean, I trust William Arkin. I don't know oh, about okay. Jim Bob. <laughs> but, he, but Jim Bob goes on. He says, the Reagan administration struggled with the decision whether to try him for treason or not. Ultimately, it was decided to, quote, just release him from service in disgrace. The administration feared that a public trial would give him a pulpit to divulge more top-secret information to our enemies. Yeah, that's what he's going to do. Like, at the trial, I don't know. Later, Arkin publicly released a list, a list of all the, nu- the American nuclear locations, as well as all known Soviet lo- nuclear locations. He's like, you should have killed me when, we had, when you had the chance. <laughs> <laughs> They're like trying to drag the mic away from him in the courtroom as he's just <laughs> listing off numbers. Yeah. <laughs> And then Jim Bob wraps it up. He goes, he has authored several books like this article that takes a few facts and combines them with conjecture. He even worked his way into a job with NBC News. One thing that's perfectly clear about the author, he hates everything, all caps, about the United States Armed Forces, the organization who relieved him of his duties and threw him out of the army. Yeah, cool. <laughs> nice. Hell yeah. Hey, same. Actually, some guy Felix I just saw now responds to him and says, he hates everything about the United States Armed Forces, and that is a reasonable position, as what has the military <laughs> done since World War II? <laughs> 
They fought some 200 conflicts in which upwards some 20 million have died. It was all for Empire and Wall Street. None of it was for defending the country. Yo, base this fuck, Felix. Where have yeah. you been? Yeah. Comrade Felix. Felix. Come on the show. Hell yeah. <laughs> I think that's about it. I mean, I'll put the link to the article, obviously, in the show notes. And if anybody wants to read that, get more in depth and get even more paranoid about your time on the internet. But yeah, I mean, any qualms you have about the internet if you know when you think reddit is a psyop and 4chan is a psyop it fucking is like all this shit is a psyop like and not only that like so is your workplace so is everyone that you're fucking work with like nick probably knows his story and i mean you can cut this out if you want as well but my best mate he's a lawyer now and he was in russia and his housemate was an american and her sister worked for a government agency and her job was basically to get a fake identity go to a country and learn everything she could about that country and report it back. And like, she basically had a fake job as an accountant in Sweden. What the fuck do we need to learn about Sweden? Yeah. But anyway, she was there and the like Putin's government tried to flip her and get her to work for Russia. And then they found out that my mate's apartment was bugged and they'd been like tracing everything he did. So then that house, like all of a sudden while he was at my wedding, his housemate just disappeared. And he was like, where the fuck did she go? And she ended up calling him when she was back in the States and, and told him the story. But that's like a prime example of just weird shit that our government does. Whoa. Yeah, dude. That like is like the craziest story anyone's ever told on the show. Are you shitting me? Like, <laughs> No, that happened. <laughs> oh my that's God. our six degrees. Or that's rather crazy, less. Dude. That's nuts. Yeah, I'm not sure what else to respond to that. I mean, speaking of psyops, <laughs> I guess we could talk about Dark Brandon if you guys want to. Hell yeah. I mean, He's that's what I like. Just the concept of Dark Brandon. Like, what does everybody think about that? Because, like, for me, I'll just start off and say Dark Brandon seems like if it didn't start out originating from the top, if it didn't start out as a psyop to, like, you know, as a, like a DNC attempt to go viral and, like, get people on Joe Biden's side and go out for the midterms, then it certainly was picked up that way. And I, it's funny because I wanted to talk about this days ago. And then just this morning, I listened to, the most recent Antifada episode, and they talk about Dark Brandon. And they actually go a little more in depth, like they actually are professionals and they did some research on it and they found out like what the origins of it are. And apparently it was just that like some somebody tweeted at the White House press secretary. Uh, I can't remember his name. It's not Jen Psaki anymore. And I just don't give a fuck about the White House. But they tweeted at this guy to like pick up this motif that somebody had tweeted about that they thought would be useful for Joe Biden to adopt. And it was like the Dark Brandon thing. And so then very soon after, they just ran with it. Like the White House was going with this dark branded thing. And you can tell like that seems to be where the whole speech with the red lights and the soldiers behind them. And it's like it's funny because it's getting on that like emotional thing that is politics in America now, like which Trump has just kind of rested on for years. But because, you know, there's no material basis behind it because it's liberals. It just doesn't kind of ring true. I feel like Democrat voters and people who already know that they're going to settle for Biden are really desperately trying to tell themselves it's going to be cool and that he's like based as fuck somehow in like a secret way and it's like you guys all know you guys all know nothing cool is happening after these midterms you know it yeah from a really petty place i do like to see like the maga people squirm a little bit and get like all whiny and crybaby about it you know what i mean like oh this authoritarian like coming for us like you know it's pretty funny because like as we know none of that is actually going to happen or anything like that right but it, it is pretty funny from that perspective. But I'm with you, Mike. Like, I thought it was kind of funny at first because I thought it was like, I really thought it originated from some like ironic lefty online that was just making fun of it. And I was like, all right, that's kind of funny. But, you know, now they've ruined it too. So, <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought too. I, I admit I don't really know a whole lot about this whole thing other than a bunch of libs are being cringy online. But, you know, what else is new? To me, it seems like a watered down, hollowed out, paved over version of that like really niche meme from a long time ago the punished bernie does anybody remember that mm. from like metal gear solid 5 where they like had the fucking bone sticking out of bernie's head and the eye patch no. and like tried to make bernie seem cool and like episode art. I, yeah right like i feel like that's uh that's sort of where this probably i don't know, had a little bit of a spark from you know, to use the terminally online term, I am terminally online. So <laughs> there's a good chance that nobody else noticed that. And this is wholly uh, separate from it. But it's just what yeah, I we're th thought of first. That's definitely going in the show notes, at least. But I do want to kind of point out, since we do have Cosper with us, Cosper, you pointed out Blue Mega like two years ago, at least. Like you were one of the first people to point out this was going to be the direction that the libs were taking when Biden was in office was to do like a blue QAnon or just like a, yeah 
make America great again, but from the quote unquote left. Feels weird that being so long ago, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it was really nice to see Joe Brandon up there. Is all I gotta say, and he regained like my confidence in him again. So he's definitely getting my vote in the upcoming election. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I'm really scared of fascism, and I just don't want that to happen here. You know, it could happen here. It's a crazy <laughs> thing about it. Um, they they never tell you that fascism is like under your nose, but. God, if you just don't vote for Joe Biden. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine the U.S. turning fascist? That would be, like, fucking awful. If we had, like, police just, like, murdering people in broad daylight in the street. If we had, like, concentration camps with a bunch of people of color in them. If we had, like, more people in prison than any other country in the world. If we had, like, a glow-spanning empire of 900 military bases to keep everybody under our thumb. Could you imagine if the U.S. turned fascist? That'd be fucking crazy. And imagine if they, like... Surveillance state that monitors yeah. everybody domestically and internationally i mean or, or on a more basic level imagine if they cared about corporations more than us it would be cool though if they did like some hunger game shit with it like if they were gonna do some like oh you can sacrifice yourself and be like katniss everdeen and like bring victory to your district i, I would be down i guess you know what a way to go one thing I've always said, like on our podcast, like when we're talking about like foreign interventions and shit like that, is that if you hear, if you start hearing the words freedom and democracy, and this isn't an original take either, but like run the fuck away, like run in the other direction. And like we're hearing a lot about democracy and freedom. <laughs> so maybe we just yeah. need to start applying that logic here as well. Yeah, he did tweet just the word democracy. What the fuck is up with yeah. that? Like, <laughs> it's fucking country. Better. If there's like a think tank that's like the the center for progress and democracy or some other like, you know, you just know that they're up to some shit like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. The really cool thing about democracy is whoever promises the most shit wins. So I like the system. <laughs> My favorite joke about the think tanks is that um, the more insipid the uh, the title, you know, the worse they are. Like the one that's the Institute for Policy Studies has funded like, you know, more murderous campaigns than like any other something like that. Yeah, exactly. Just studying some policies, bro. Just studying those policies of murdering people, <laughs> which are very effective. They <laughs> yeah. It's like the Institute for Good Things and Peace is like. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking puppy murdering factory. I guess like my whole take on the Dark Brainer thing is just. Really just disappointed. It's like if you're doing what we're doing with Dark Brainer, which is like you're using it to like piss off a bunch of chuds because they really are genuinely scared of like what Biden's going to do. Like he's going to take their guns for real. It's like, bro, the fact that you believe that, like you're gullible as fuck, like that can't happen in this country. But I'm going to dunk on you anyway for thinking it, of course, because that's funny. But like, I'm not going to fucking vote for Democrats like ever. I'm not going to go vote in midterms. Are you shitting me? Like, no, no, get the fuck out of here. But like, I will definitely meme fucking lame lib shit like that's only useful for owning like people who are so brain poisoned that they actually think that republicans have their best interest you know yeah right other than that it's it's just annoying and, and it blows my mind that anybody could be bought for so little like if you already were going to vote for joe biden and now you're using the dark brain thing and the ten thousand dollars he gave you to justify it because you're like oh this is actually materially helping people this is making death go fuck yourself self you fucking cuck you are a class cuck, and I'm disappointed in you. If you are satisfied with ten fucking thousand dollars in this fucking country, it's like that's disgusting to me. You get bought for so little. You fucking submit for that. You're gonna go vote for ten thousand dollars. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. Um, it's like we were talking. I was talking about it with someone last night, and it doesn't change. It doesn't fundamentally change the structure of the system. It doesn't address the problem. In five years, it's going to be, the people are going to be in the same exact position. Like the people that have like $90,000 worth of debt. Okay. We knocked 10K off the principal. Cool. That interest is going to start accruing again. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize also that most of that debt was held by the government. For some reason, I thought that most of that debt was held by private corporations and they were the ones charging the interest, but no, no, no. Most of it is held by the government. They could just wipe it all away they could just I say no, no. like it's not like they even have to like tell a corporation to go fuck themselves which is very impossible for the government to do they just have they hit to delete just wipe they it hit away. fucking delete in a in a spreadsheet that's it that's all funny money and it's turning out that there's like the, all these hoops you got to jump through to get even that ten thousand dollars right that started coming out like most people apparently like aren't even getting that that thought they were it's just funny yeah. though because like what does he what does he do he he, he does that right like the 10k and then like there's the inflation reduction act 
and now it's like the rise of like I mean, I've, I've literally seen some of the Chuds posting like memes comparing like a stance that Brian, that Brandon took like this, and it was a photo next to Hitler. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, are you fucking kidding me? That's not the IRA I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. I mean, the Inflation Reduction Act, like everything has been half measures. Everything has been means testing. It's as we always expected it was going to be. There was never any other possibility for mainstream Democrats. That is all that they can possibly do. But yeah, if, if I were to be generous and, you know, imagine a world where Brandon wrote off $10,000 of debt for every single person, no hoops, you just get an email and $10,000 is knocked off your debt. And then if you are under 18, you get $10,000. We're going to, to go to college prospectively. That still wouldn't be enough. I would still be fucking insulting you. I would still be saying, fuck you for voting for Biden if that was enough to buy your vote. Like, that's disgusting to me. Like, you should be getting everything. Like, we control this shit. You just have to actually take it. You just have to want it. Yeah. Like, thank you very much. Go fuck yourself. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I think, uh, I think it was like North Carolina is going to tax that debt relief also. Really? Like they're going to, Christ. No. They're going to put taxes on imaginary money that went away. Really? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> of Listen here, Jack. The LCL pool is going to bring about the Green New Deal and, uh, Corn Pop was my friend back in the day, and we used to pile the Evas together even though I was white and he was black. I mean, uh, it was the other way around, but you get the picture, man. <laughs> That's my opinion on Dark Brandon. Is is generally that it's just like a funny thing to do to someone who's that old to pump them full of whatever the fuck he's on cocktail-wise. <laughs> They've got a bunch of good like, shit lately. They've got it's a just something good shit to lately. do, you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing about electoral politics at this point. I mean, my partner have talked about it. It's like, I care when it feels like a sport. That's when I'm interested. When it right. feels like I'm cheering, like, just some, like, weird idea of something on, it's fine. <laughs> you know, I don't even care if that Marjorie Taylor Greene clip wasn't her. It's just funny regardless. Like, it's, it's fucking hilarious. That was, it's very <laughs> cringe, but it's still funny. Are you talking about the, uh, the American Idol one? Yeah. That one? God. And the same thing with the DPRK clip playing the Rage Against the Machine song. I don't care if it's fake. I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Fuck the fact checkers. Yeah. Like, fuck Snopes. Yeah. Like, I don't care. <laughs> fuck Snopes yeah, for like, multiple reasons. Yeah, no, but like, that's the vibe. It's like, actually, that's not actually her. It's like, who fucking cares? This is really funny. You think yeah. the like, misinformation has ever stopped the right? Come on. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Sweaty, it feels like her. That's what I was saying Like the other day to somebody. It's like, yeah, misinformation doesn't stop the right from producing all this pro propaganda. We could produce the exact same propaganda with these, like, maximalist demands, but we'd also have correct facts. Mm -hmm. We just don't have the fucking backbone to do it. Like, I don't know, I don't know, I mean, I do know why. It's because there's no actual left in this country, right? No, no left with any power. But, like, if we did have that kind of power, if we had that kind of get up and go, we could make these, this same ridiculous demanding propaganda. That Pete Seeger reference with the get up and go. I love living in the country where the people who want to put minorities in camps use every tactic available to them. And then the people who want to give everybody health care and free college are like, no, we have to stick to the facts and we can't use any underhanded or dirty tactics. That would be wrong. <laughs> like, give me a fucking break. Yeah. Right. Um, unless anybody has anything else, I mean, we could wrap it up early. We don't have to do the full hour. We can also have a shorter episode, but I'm out of topics. I'm out of banter. Anybody else got anything they want to talk about? Oh, you know what we should fucking at least mention? I want to wait till Rad Left Dad comes on because he's going to come on, but I'm going to fucking mention Comrade Broccoli slash yeah. Sun Sunshine Pancakes Boulevard or whatever the fucking cringe name they got now. We should at least just have a fucking take and call him out because Rad Left Dad, poor guy, he has decided to just bear this cross and he is going through it, like, just calling this page out. Um, and you know what? Good on him for doing it because I'm over here calling out fucking uh, Gabs, like Infragabs, who's just like a Patsock turf with like 400 followers and like nobody gives a flying fuck about this person and I'm posting my stories about to call him out for being an idiot and he's actually going after this page who has like somehow 100,000 fucking followers and is an admitted pedo. This person, that's what the drama is all about. I should actually state what the issue fucking is. So this past week, this person came out on their Instagram stories and says like they're a pedophile. They just flat out admit it. They just say that they are a pedophile and they expect people to like be okay with it because they say that they are a non-offending minor attractive person or whatever it is. So they know that they have a problem, they're attracted to minors, and they're going to get help for it, and they're not going to offend. And I'm like, if that is the case, I don't know. I mean, I don't like it, 
but I guess the the better option is if you know that you're attracted to minors, you should fucking get some help immediately. And I don't know, like the whole going public with it on your Instagram page, unless you're trying to normalize it. Like it seems exactly. like something you should just like keep to yourself, unless you were trying to make it like a valid sexuality, which it never fucking will be because you are required to like do something to minors who by definition cannot fucking consent so you are just trying to normalize rape like go fuck yourself that's not going to happen but um mm -hmm. yeah I, I mean that seems to be the direction that this person is going is they're trying to normalize it and they're using like the same kind of language that valid people have tried to use to to stop being discriminated against but i mean i think i made my stance pretty clear like if you are a person who is attracted to minors i don't care what fucking term you use i'm going to call you a pedophile you can call yourself a minor attracted person whatever I don't like that because it seems like you're trying not to no trying to normalize it. But if that is the case, go get some fucking help. But then don't like. I don't see why you need to talk about it. I don't see why I need to know about it. I think you should just go keep that to yourself and get some help and never touch anyone because you're fucked up. Like, and stop trying to associate yourself with the uh, LGBTQ uh, community because they don't fucking yeah. want you either. And the left. Yeah. Let's just get that. You know, when I was in college, what we used to do. Uh, was we wait until like we knew people were in their dorm rooms, and then we'd zip tie the um, trigger on a Febreze can and throw it into their dorm room, right? And like that's exactly what this. T besides trying to normalize like the pedophilia and associate it with the left and and all that and the LGBTQ plus community, this is also like that, but into left spaces. It's it's a zip tied Febreze can. It's a firecracker. It's it's a it's a division tactic, right? It's or a distraction tactic, I should say. Like it is there to make us just worry about this as well as other things when we shouldn't fucking have to. You know what I mean? Just, like, yeah, Mike, you're right. Like, get help immediately if you feel this way. And don't cynically push an agenda by trying to associate yourself with, you know, nominally progressive movements. I also think that it may be a psyop just for that reason, because it, it gives 100%. ammo to the, to the far right, and because they have so many fucking followers, and like, what, sorry, Brian, I know I'm interrupting, and I'll let you go, but like, the one thing Red Left Dad said was that he was kind of proud that they had lost like 12,000 followers out of like 100 something that they had. I'm like, how do they fucking have any? How are you still following the pedophile page? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you as a follower? But go ahead, Brian. No, I, I was just curious. I, I know that you had mentioned that you were going to talk about this and I totally forgot to look it up. But who is this person and, and why are they? Famous? So I guess the, the page is Sunshine Pancakes Boulevard, BLVD. And it used to be Comrade Broccoli and then it was Renegade Broccoli. And I was pretty proud because I mentioned the group chat to you, Ward. I had blocked this person like months ago simply because they just said something about tankies. They just said like tankies yeah. are bad or whatever. I'm like, that's all I need. I'm, blo I'm blocking you. I'm blocking anybody who comes at me from your page. I, don't, I can't take anybody seriously who uses tanky unironically as like a slur or whatever. Like, but yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I found out about this shit. I'm like, oh, yeah, now I feel justified. Yeah, they've been an anti-communist uh, like leftist page for years. That's how they've accumulated all these uh, followers. Comrade Broccoli was around like when I first started getting on Instagram like years and years ago, right? They were, I saw people that I knew from Birmingham that were sharing their shit all the time who were definitely, like they understood the problems that everything is happening and none of the solutions. They were afraid of the solutions. They thought the solutions were all so bad. Anti-communist, you know what I mean? Like, and that's deliberate. I think that's, I think PSYOP is absolutely an appropriate term for this. It's probably Special, uh, special Agent Darby. Yeah. It probably is signature reduction, to be honest. I would not be surprised in any way. <laughs> Or at least some of the followers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because what is the point? Like, I can understand if you're trying to say, like, oh, I have this problem and we should, like, talk about this problem so that, like, other people know that if they have it, they can come forward and they can go get help instead of, like, not getting the help they need and then possibly offending. It's like, I can totally understand that. So go to a fucking support group. You don't need to, like, ruin your leftist Instagram space with this and, like, introduce this toxicity that, again, only gives ammunition to the far right who thinks that we are all fucking pedos secretly anyway. It's like, mm -hmm. because they don't listen to our show, they don't listen to, like, real Marxists, they listen to, like, whatever was taken from a right-wing rage bait outlet, like Libs of TikTok or something, that was selected and cherry-picked to put in front of them and make them angry. So anything that you give them fuels that. So don't give them more stupid shit like this. Like, keep your fucking pedo shit to yourself and go get fucking help, you sicko. Like, fuck. Yeah. <clears throat> Speaking of pedos and sickos, I... Uh, <laughs> Just wanted to comment on your uh, ANCAP debate that you guys did, because I know you kind of went in with like the attitude of like trying to, I don't know, radicalize people just by exposing, you know, just how shitty these people have. Like, come on, say what you want to say and then, then 
let everybody know just like where you're coming from right and like yeah. i told you mike but like i did send it to a couple of like my more progressive liberal friends and they were like honestly like this might not be a bad tactic because these people sound fucking awful and their ideology sounds awful like one thing listening to that the way that they kept going back to oh like you need to prove this i'm like why the fuck do i need to prove to you that humans need that humans should have the basic rights to their human necessities housed. Like, what the fuck do you want? How do you want to prove that? Like, I, I don't know what you're saying. Like, we can't even have a conversation if we're starting on this basis where, like, we can't agree on some level to that and you're requiring me to prove that out, like, based on some, like, invented fucking economic system. It's wild to me. Yeah, I mean, can I just real quick uh, summarize some of the shit takes that they had? Because this is going to go out, I guess, on other people's feeds. So if you haven't heard, we just recently did an episode where we debated some people we debated this guy, Praxben, who has a big TikTok following, and this other guy, Liquid Zulu. We came on our show, we talked to them for two hours, and in that two hours, we talked about a variety of topics, and this guy, Praxben, I think, stuck to a mostly neoliberal line, was able to keep the mask on the whole time. It sounded mostly reasonable, except for a couple things. Liquid Zulu, on the other hand, oh man, he is a treat. And so his <laughs> takes on abortion were that you should fix it with artificial wombs, so that like women should be allowed to evict the fetus from the person, has no right to depend on them for sustenance, so they should be able to evict it, but they should not be able to kill it, because that fetus doesn't deserve to die. So it should go into an artificial womb, which are already used for cows, um, and they're just not regulated for human use. They, the, the government won't allow it. So again, this is a, an example of the government screwing up a good situation with their goddamn regulations. And so they want to create the baby matrix of artificial wombs. And then I asked them, well, what happens to these babies when they're in the artificial wombs anyway, because it may not get adopted. And he says, oh, well then, if after a certain amount of time they aren't adopted, then they will die. But at least then they had a chance. And, like, and everyone that I've related this to in my real life has said the same thing immediately. Like, well, what about the kids who are already in orphanages? So what about the people who already need to be adopted? And then, of course, he had to bring up the baby market. And he already went there. He didn't even, no prompt needed. He already said the disabled ones would be worth less than the potential athletes in the future. So these guys have great takes just overall. And I've been, I, I almost didn't want to talk about it this week. I've been going right. really, no, it's fine. It's, I'm glad that we have a couple minutes to wrap up at the end, but. I have been going at these guys in their Discord. I purposely said to Zulu, I'm like, hey, do you have a Discord I can go in and get ganged up on by your guys? He's like, why would you want that? I'm like, dude, this is fun for me. I love this shit. Like, you guys say horrible things all the time. But you guys just out yourselves as the worst type of people. And so I went in there. And honestly, I think the, the error is that I prompted all these guys to begin with by saying, please come on my show and defend capitalism. And I wasn't specific enough. I should have told them to defend capitalism in practice because they're only doing it in theory. None of these guys have a single capitalist project, past or present, that they're really willing to stake a claim on and defend wholeheartedly. And so I don't know what to do with these guys. I think I just have to treat them like anarchies, basically. Who are they quoting for their theoretical underpinnings of capital? Uh, they like Hoppe at the moment, it seems like. Hoppe? Yeah, they're, they're terrible, man. Aren't they like part of like that Mises Institute or some shit like that? Or yeah, they're like, like Mises and Rothbard and, and I think Hayek too, maybe. Oh, the... um. Yeah, Hayek, Mill, etc. So they're utilitarians? Uh, they just... I'm in their Discord, and they keep harping on a prioris. They just want to get, like, a philosophical, like, consistent oh, grounding them, for everything. Tell, tell them to please come to my lecture on Kant, then, because I'm actually covering a priori knowledge in general. Hell yeah. And that's hilarious that they want to know about... I mean, that's the funny thing, is that uh, any... God, that is so funny. Asking for proof of anything is just the funniest shit in general when you're trying to have a conversation with somebody. As someone who is, who is, uh, I don't want to say like chained to, but like I, I can't escape the philosophy department of my school. Um, <laughs> anyone who, like, because I don't know, I have various things that I think, and whenever someone asks for a proof of such a thing that I think, it, it depends on the person, but these people absolutely sound insufferable, I guess is the, the long story short type of thing. If they're asking about a priori knowledge, then uh, why? Like, do you know what a priori knowledge is? I actually don't. Could you explain it? Because I'm, I'm trolling these people and I don't even know what a priori are. <laughs> uh, 
A priori knowledge is a Kantian transcendental empiricism, or form of empiricism, which is of classified course. through things. Yeah, I know, right? It's so fucking easy and simple. Come <laughs> on, sweaty. No, it's more like, um, so you have, a, my example I always give is you have people like Galileo who gather information and knowledge through observation and synthetic understandings, which is to say experience, right? That is what is called a posterior knowledge. But a priori knowledge would be more so like Isaac Newton, someone who gathers knowledge through mathematical abstraction deduction. You don't have to have any experience within the field at all, but you can in advance gather classifications and categories as Kant would on subject matter. The really interesting thing that you could have pushed back on them is saying like it's really, and this is something I've been working on, is that it's really interesting you bring up a priori so often as it's a facet and a tool of capital to use a priori knowledge, which is the assumption and generalization, thus creating a categorization of advance in experience to create a systematic racist view of a colony. Because a colony is created through an advanced precipitation of an observer. It's interesting, but I don't know if they would have been willing to go down that road or even understand what a priori knowledge is in the first place because most people who talk about it do such as a means of sounding knowledgeable and at the expense of like perverting the ideas at which Kant aspires to claim like usefulness for. I, I've met very few people, especially those who believe in capitalism wholeheartedly, who, who understand fully the intentions of something like a priori knowledge or Immanuel Kant to begin with. Cosper, I have a question for you. Hit me. Is it true that Kant never left uh, more than 17 miles of the place that he was born? I don't know the exact number, but he never left his hometown, mm -hmm. is the best Great. way. He died a virgin, um, never ki kissed a woman. He was on the nofap shit, sperm mm -hmm. retention. That's why he's so smart. <laughs> we could all aspire to that. Retroactive yeah, same, virginity. Right. I, yeah, I've lost my ability to be as smart as Kant, sadly. <laughs> I was actually glad that you brought that up, Nick, because it's been on my mind, and it is definitely fun to talk about. Did anybody else listen to it? Did anybody else have any commentary on it? Yeah, I did listen to it, and I just, you know, basically what you all said, like, they didn't really have any coherent things to say. It's all just, you know, in this fantasy land, our ideas might work, but we don't. We don't have really have anything for the real world. That's what, pretty much what, what it seems like. What drives me nuts is like, you know, they claim to read history and, you know, they, they claim to be versed in these different theories, even like opposing theories. Like, you know, the one guy said that, you know, he studies Marxism, Leninism a little bit as if like they try to understand it. But like, OK, you've done that and you still can't grasp the importance of the state with the development of capitalism. Like it, it blows my fucking mind. Like, that is just a fact of history. Yeah. I mean, it, it saddens me from the sounds of it for them not to have mentioned Smith at all. I think of the, like, capitalist thinkers, he's like a fun one for me. I really like reading him. <laughs> you ever want to see some good, like, private property shit, check out Adam Smith. That's all I'm saying. He had some great stuff to say about landlords that I like. I mean, there are definitely mm -hmm. some select quotes you can pull from Smith that make our points for us, but I keep arguing with them and say, when has this system you're defending ever actually worked? How, when has it happened? Or how do we get there from here? And they really don't have a whole lot. And I think that that's kind of sad. And I think we should be pulling more of them to our side. And I'm hoping that we will because, yeah, I mean, basically they just get on and they talk about this fictional utopia that they could have. But then every example that they describe in that quote unquote utopia sounds horrific. They describe like the most awful shit that baby markets. Yeah, like baby markets and artificial wombs and like none of that sounds good for anybody. I think you guys should come on my show every single day to talk about your awful things that you think people might want to hear. And then you will bring more and more people to the tank side. Like, please continue to do this. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> There's like weird locales. Locales? Yeah, I know what a locale is. No. You ever heard of Chris Chan? Yeah. No. Yeah. Chris Chan is a Lowell cow, for example. That's too uh, too much of a reference to get into right now, but um, yeah. yeah. I mean, we got to wrap it up anyway. We're we're at an hour, but uh, unless anybody has anything else, we can wrap it up there.
No, uh, there's just uh, one thing I could leave us on just to sort of tie it back to my area of expertise. There's a Batman Elseworlds uh, story where he's in Nazi Germany and he has to flee the country after saving the life of um, either Hayek or von Mises because that's what the writer understood as being good what? and progressive. Oh, no. <laughs> Ugh, well, that sounds like a good note to end on. All right, well, this is fun. Hey, Cosper, thank you for joining us. Yeah, no problem at all. I, I ended up just finishing my uh, honors thesis. To, like, to, or not finishing, but I, I got it. I expedited a draft tonight, so I'm a little free. Nice. Bet. Well, I will put the link to your uh, content lecture in the show notes because that's going to happen on the 13th, right? Every mm. week. Every week I'm fucking lecturing Kant. Oh, hell yeah. Cool. And then everybody else's links to all the podcasts will be in the show <laughs> notes. So please check out everybody's links. All right. Thanks again, you guys. Take care, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Thanks, Thank you. Guys. you. Have a good night, everybody. Bye.